0: on your PC, iPod or smartphone. This is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 24th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017 we catch up with the Seaford Tigerettes Karamaki, the Pakistan Football League's Tayab Chatfa, plus our State League's ramp with Lauren Hodgson Matt Marston, Alison Schiller and Aaron Russell. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. (laughs) I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 24th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third season of doing these podcasts. And a friendly reminder, you can listen to this podcast as a radio program, Wednesday evenings in Melbourne on your digital radio by tuning to RSN Carnival about quarter past six every Wednesday evening. And don't forget our Match of the Day call in the VFL Women's Competition. This week, we bring you two games, both starting at 1 p.m. On the Saturday, we bring you the VU Western Spurs versus the Darabin Falcons. And on the Sunday, a big one between Melbourne Uni and the St Kilda Sharks. That's this weekend on RSN Carnival Digital Radio and the RSN Racing and Sport app. Our first guest this week is a 14-year veteran who's about to play her 200th game of senior women's football. She'll be pulling on the Seaford Tigarettes jumper as they run out against the Eastern Devils in Division 1 of the AFL Southeast competition. It's great to have on the line Kara Mackie. Kara, thanks very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: What does it mean to you when you see that magic number 200.
1: It means a lot, actually. There's a lot of people that I've played footy with over that time, and it's taken a long time to get to that number.
0: We've been tipped off that you first started playing 14 years ago, so let's go back to about 2003 when you first put on the boots. Uh, What club did you originally start out with, and and how did you get involved in Women's Aussie Rules?
1: So I started off um, at... Parkdale, they've uh, folded uh, many years ago. Uh, but yeah, when I first started, there wasn't any junior clubs around in the area. So I grew up in Lane Warren and had to travel and commute to Parkdale in order to play in the women's team. It, and now it's just expanded massively. Um, but yeah, when I started, it was there was we struggled to fill the side every 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 week. We ended up um, losing. Pretty much in every game, every season. But it, yeah, from from that, it's I've got so many friends and friendship from from playing.
0: Going back to that first season, what do you remember? Were you intimidated f- for the first time running out there to play senior women's footy, or, or did it just come to you naturally?
1: Uh, look, my background was basketball, so I played representative basketball for a bit, and that. That was it. Was a really easy transition from basketball to footy. Well, not when I say easy, it wasn't easy, but it was easier to understand a team sport. Uh, it was, it wasn't too intimidating because I didn't realise how hard the girls were going to hit back then. And when I first started, there wasn't—it wasn't necessarily about the skill. It was about the, the um, how hard you could hit the girls and keep them on the ground once they were hit.
0: <laughs> That's back to old school football. And going back to 2003, I think there would have been what, maybe luck if there were a dozen women's sides around then.
1: Yeah, there weren't too many. When I first started, we were in Premier League, and that was—we stayed there for a while and we were at the bottom of the bottom of the. Um, the leaderboard for, I don't know, it would have been possibly five years, six years. Yeah, there weren't, weren't too many teams around at that stage. I think we I think when I started, there would have been lucky to be about 300 girls playing.
0: And of course, this is a long way from AFLW and of course, all the resources now starting to be thrown at women's football. How hard was it to obviously get a side out there in the park? As you said, sometimes short on numbers. And I'm thinking even think, simple things, just getting uniform, even getting a ground to play on.
1: Well, we were pretty fortunate. The guys, because the guys play on Saturdays, we were able to have the ground on Sunday. But we had to work around the Super Rules teams and obviously the juniors. Uh, but. Uniform-wise, we had to source our own uniform. The girls had to put in their own money uh, to pay for a uniform. The, the club didn't really um, help out that much. I it sort of was a bit of a novelty when I started.
0: So, so, as you said, you played for quite a number of years with Parkdale, and uh, like unfortunately, like for a number of women's teams back then, they they did eventually fold. Where did your footy journey take you to next?
1: So from uh, Parkdale Folding, we, we just didn't have a, a, enough of a resource of junior teams around to filter in for those girls that were looking at retiring. Um, so the, the club split and they went – a couple of – well, majority of the girls went to Cranbourne and a couple of them went to Mornington which uh, and other Tigerettes, which is now the Seaford Tigerettes. So it started there and – It was again same thing. We were up in Premier League getting smashed. I think there was one game we played against um, St Albans, uh, and we ended up losing by I think we kicked one point, and we it was like a two hundred and twenty twenty goals or two hundred and twenty smashing. I think I think we broke I think we we actually broke the record for the the most amount of margin.
0: For women's football, that is something big. If it makes you feel any better, I played in a junior game of football where we lost 426 to nil. Um, so, wow. So, as you said, you were at South Mornington. A lot of the girls were there at the South Mornington uh, Tigerettes. Um, do you remember the day that uh, you became the C for Tigerettes, the big relocation and, and finding a new home?
1: So, um, I had to move clubs just for the fact I couldn't get to training on time. So, I moved to uh Daly-Nong- with the with the jocks, and again they didn't have a junior enough of a junior foundation that they ended up folding to. So um, during that time, I was still friends with a lot of the girls from from the Mornington Tigerettes, and they approached Seaford because it was a good an easy transition over with uniform um, from Morning South Mornington ti- uh, Tigerettes or South Mornington Tigers to the Seaford Tigers to now Seaford Tigerettes. Um, it was an easier transition. So, and the, the guys at Seaford really embraced it, and they, they they've they've been nothing but supportive for the girls and getting around them. So that's why they've been able to flourish as much as they have. And it's an easier location, Seaford, than what uh, Mornington was. So for that time when they started, so from going from having a team that we had to push to get possibly two teams, to now having four teams at Seaford is just incredible.
0: Are you still blown away by that, that, you know, when you started out 14 years ago, you're struggling to get on the park, get enough players, and now that you walk out to training and there's enough women out there to field four senior sides?
1: It, it is incredible to have. You'd, you'd have a, a side that you'd have someone either call and sick because they were too hungover from the, from the night before, um, and you, you need to f- try and fill in players. You'd call people last minute saying, hey, we just need you to fill in uh, f- for a game of footy. You don't have to play the whole game. You can come off the bench so then the girls can have a rest. So now having, you're competing for your spot in each and every single team. So to have that, is, is, it's mind-blowing where women's footy has gone, and it's fantastic that we've got this path for all the young girls coming up.
0: Now, of course, you're a fit individual yourself being a firefighter. Um, If you look back at when you first were playing footy in 2003, even though, as you said, you came from uh, an elite basketball background to playing footy now, how much has your training and your preparation changed in more than a decade?
1: Uh, so normally it would be Wednesday Wednesday and Friday nights training uh, Friday nights you'd uh, hang out with the girls and get on the sauce and then it would lead on to having it happening again on the Saturday night to being hung over playing footy and then again Sunday after the game you have a couple more beers after the game uh, to now that we do not, like, the girls will have a couple of drinks after the game, but they, they're more about recovery because, again, as I said, it's so competitive. They, they need to make sure that their bodies are right for the, next, for the next weekend.
0: Let's talk about for and against. First of all, players that you've played against over the decades. You said you've played Premier League, so you have played against some of the best players in women's football prior to AFLW. In your humble opinion, who's some of the best that you've personally matched up against?
1: Oh gosh! You've got all the all the the Daisy Pierce and all that. They're the ones that everyone sort of strives against. But you got people like Debbie Lee. Like the first season, I played against her. I didn't know who she was, and I may have started a bit of a fight on the field by accident. Um, but she is a foundation of, of how women's footy has started, so the hats off to her. Like if, if if women's footy today wouldn't be as successful if it wasn't for her and, and people like her get it, really getting into women's footy and um, making it really successful. But I think every 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 female that is that is playing shows commitment to to some aspect of a team and. The, the, the women that are playing in the AFLW, like they are just amazing athletes, and it's it's good to see that they're getting treated as athletes now, not just a novelty that oh women play footy, oh you know just just a bit of fun. These girls have got skill and they hit hard and they can run. So for me, I think, I, I really I'm I am can not pinpoint one person to say or even a couple of people to say. Look, I think it's everyone that plays women's footy is a is a legend.
0: We've talked about those you've played against. How about from the times at Parkdale, Mornington, Dandenong, and now at Seaford? Who's some of the best that you've played with, and who's been some of the most enjoyable players that you've played with? They may not necessarily be the best in the field, but they've always kept you entertained.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, entertainment. Wow. So there's always there's always girls that that will. <sighs> Go harder. That's probably the best way of saying it at the footy. Um, and you always know that you, if you've got your head over the ball, they'll, they're there to protect you. And, and look, there's there's girls like uh, Tina Henshaw. Her nickname is Bumpy. She's been a really big influence in my life, not just from a from a from a footy perspective, but from a personal perspective. And I think that's where it it comes down to. It's not just females playing sport because they're there for the sport, they're there to, to make friendships and they're there to be mentors for for people that are like-minded outside of footy as well. Um, we've got a few guns in our footy club at the moment, so I think there's six or seven of them that are AFLW-wise and it's really good to see that they've stepped up and like, they're just amazing women to, to watch on and off the field and at training too, just seeing how how they have flourished from the AFLW and they've been given this opportunity that that then follows down into the the junior girls in our footy club. And look, I I can't turn around and say one person, one person, because there's so many girls now that are playing that are just amazing.
0: Now, Cara, just before we let you go, as we said, Game 200 um, is this weekend. Uh, we'd all like to continue playing footy forever, but at one stage the body will finally say to us, no, we can't go anymore. Do you see yourself continuing on post your playing days? Do you see yourself possibly putting your hand up and, and trying a coaching role?
1: Look, last year I ended up um, having a baby, so I, I stood in and did a bit of coaching back then, and oh, well, then and then I ended up getting fit enough to play in the twos and we won a grand final. Um Coaching-wise, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. It's very full-on and it can be very um, demanding because they, you've got 22 girls on the field that you've got to look after. And I, I, Look, coaching is not out of the question, but I'm just going to keep on playing until my body doesn't allow me to. And if, if I get injured, well, then I have to look at the – Look at the positives to say that I've had so many games of footy where I haven't had that, in, haven't had too many bad injuries, and I've been able to get through it. And look, playing footy has has made me a better person, and I I, I don't know where I'd be with if, if I didn't have that longer relationship with footy that I did.
0: And the toughest question of all: what is your favourite memory from your playing career?
1: There's a, there's a few favourite memories, and this might sound a bit odd, but playing in a grand final because we lost a few grand finals and we lost one grand final by one point, And it was, it was the hardest moment of like a playing career because you only one kick away from winning a grand final and we lost by one point, And that was, yeah, it was heartbreaking, but it, it made the girls bond because we were all breaking at the same time. That probably is, I know it's a weird one, but a bit of a highlight. Um, but, yeah, last year just coming back um, and bouncing back from, from having a baby and being able to play with a, with a bunch of girls, and they got around me, and they, they, they really enjoyed having me on the field as well as me being on the field with them, So and we won that grand final last year. So after losing four grand finals to finally winning one, that was a pretty – they're probably two big highlights of, of my playing career.
0: Well, Kara, thank you very much for joining us on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best this weekend as you run out with the Seaford Tigerettes in game number 200.
1: Great, thank you very much for that.
0: We're now just under a month away from the start of the 2017 AFL International Cup that begins August 5th in Melbourne, Australia. We're expecting to see teams from the USA, from Canada, the UK, Ireland, the European Crusaders, Papua New Guinea, Fiji, possibly Tonga. And it looks like Pakistan will be sending a team, a women's side, for the IC17. And to find out a little bit more about how footy is going in Pakistan, I've got the Secretary General of the Pakistan Football League, Tayab Chatha, on the line. Tayab, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. Um, how long's Aussie Rules been going for in Pakistan? Uh, Peter, it's, uh, we
2: started. Uh, I myself, I have started this game in 2014 and uh with a few guys a very good friend of us they are working in australian high commission they have uh, federal police fellows one of them miss is from the earth another danny is from sydney so because of their help we promote this game and been promoting and they you know been a four years you now in pakistan and it's going very well and we having a four a uh, very good tournament in pakistan and the first tournament we having a high commissioner cup with the. Farewell of the Peter He World, he was that time was a high commissioner, now he left to America and after that we're having a, a serious sports scholar then we're having a national championship and very good thing is to, in the national championship, the first national championship the last year on 28th of September, it was the final match was live telecast around the world on Pakistan sports channel and there was mr kashif he was working with the afl that time he was the guest over there in the match and he did all the quantity and told the people about Ozi rule how it go and how it's going in pakistan like that and last year we haven't started the female team as well as in pakistan and at the moment we have four female teams which we started now and they are, I'll tell you one very interesting thing, we've been working on four years on the male teams and what very short time, within a three-month time, the women, they present really excellent work for that
0: one. Fantastic to hear. Now, as you said, you're based in Islamabad at the moment. Um, how, how is yeah. the female going? Is, it, is, is the four teams in the one city or are they spread throughout the country?
2: No, no. The female team—they are the, from the play from Karachi, the play from Lahore, Islamabad, and Rawalpindi. At the, these four cities, they are playing, and the, and the few girls—they from the Surghoda. They are the university student.
0: Excellent. And what are the numbers like? How many players have signed up to play in the league?
3: At the moment,
2: we are having around about seventy to hundred girls. They are playing on the
4: different ages.
0: Absolutely fantastic to hear, and of course, uh, you're going to be coming out for IC17, uh, especially with the women's team. When did it first start, the selections for the national team and, and training together as a squad? Yeah, we
3: did that in the last month.
2: We're having a female tournament and as well as the um, Islam, Mayor Islamabad Cup where we finalised the selection for the male and the female as well as. And uh, no we completed all of our selection
0: and we submitted our visas and everything for Australia. How difficult has it been to obviously get the team together to train frequently and, and obviously raise the money as well so you can buy all the uniforms, pay for the flights and, and obviously stay for the two weeks out here?
2: Yeah, it is really very funny things with us. You know that when the new game starting in any country, it's very hard to get the funds as well as. We couldn't get any funds from AFL. We could not get any support from the Australian High Commission. Just only the, uh, the guys came to us and have a, a training with us. And we have uh, the most of the part I did from my own pocket and with a friend and few sponsors working on that. And
4: hopefully we will get one.
0: Now, of course, uh, with the Pakistan team, you probably have about uh, uh, up to 25 coming over. Who's some of the star players that have caught your eye in the female game that we should be looking out for?
2: Uh, the, the start play from the female. There is girls Krishma and Abia, and uh, there is uh, Sheila, Solia and uh, Farzana, and they a the very nice girl. She really uh, did very well in the very short time. Her name is Misbah, and uh, then the very tent girls they are play really good class of the football. Basically, they are the footballers. And now they convert to transfer to us uh for uh Australian football. And I request them to join us because they're already having a good stamina, they're very good international, very national player of the football, soccer, so they join us uh, for last year and they're working with us now. And they play really very out uh, they they it in our games with them. You will see in the I think
0: as And how would you describe the Pakistan brand of football? Is it in tough, in close? Is it open, spread, fast running game? How would you describe the Pakistani way of playing?
2: Uh, we are. Uh, I hope so. We will uh, play very good game, especially in the female. And uh, I'm not uh, very much uh, that punt. we will win the cup, but we will uh, disappoint uh, the people as well other teams we will uh, give the play very good footing and hope so all the people they enjoy over game and uh, let's see i hope we'll uh, do something uh, uh, upset in the first time in the ic cup but our male uh, team is very good. They are having a very good uh, skill and training, and also because of that, we having a few uh, players. Uh, they were joining us from Melbourne as well as. So because of these guys, they already having experience last uh, I see two, 2014, and so we are using their experience as well as. And last time they beat India in the first match and this time we are very confident we will do big upset in the middle
0: as well. Let's hope that you do go well and of course uh, as we said earlier that Aussie rules isn't a well-known sport in Pakistan so for the girls that have started to play Aussie rules in your league, what other sports were they coming from? What other sports that they played before?
2: Before, the mostly they are the, uh, playing the soccer. They are very good player of soccer, national player of the soccer. And no, I convinced them. I showed them that see that this game you really enjoy it rather than the soccer, and they really very uh, happy. And they said oh, this is better than the soccer because you know that in Ausirol they are Fitness is very strong, and they join us, and we growing it day by day a number of the, uh, the university they playing this games and after because uh, this tournament the IC cup will give us a huge boost in the country when we come back after the australia and i am very pretty much sure uh, after participating in IC cup in pakistan the aussie rule will grow very fastly because everyone is before they don't know very much No, they are wondering
0: about how they play and how they go that and, of course, everyone wants the opportunity to represent their country. Uh, as you said, with the squad that came together about a month ago, um, how often have they had the chance to try and train together as a team?
2: No, they have, we are starting the camp, and the six days camp is going on from every day, from 4 o'clock till 8 o'clock, even night, evening. So they regular play the games, they regular do the exercise and all the fitness and that. We are, I'm very uh, much happy with the work by the, the girls, the, the way the, they are doing that. It's very outstanding work there. You know, uh, you know that, the first thing you can imagine, without any professional coaches and referees, we are running this game in Pakistan, we don't have any much uh, experienced coach we are the coaches whatever we learn from the internet and also watching the videos and we doing that and be- because of this type of the skill then you will see our performance, our games of the girls and the boys as well. Without, you know, having every country, they have a lot of the uh, coaches. We do not have all this
4: facility.
0: Uh, and we've seen online on the AFL Pakistan Facebook page. Uh, we've seen some videos of the of the girls going through their training. Um, since obviously uh, you've been on the internet a bit, uh, how helpful has the AFL Women's competition in Australia been? Being able to watch that earlier this year and watch that style of football and learn from that
2: no it's really so hard it's a new game and you don't have any much rules and all the ideas how to do the proper cake how to do the goals and everything but along with that with a very short time our girls learn a lot and they pick up the game on the right way and they having a very the top ten girls which we have, they are the best outstanding in the kicking and the running and the fitness. That what our ten girls they give us outstanding performance over there. This is the way which we are trying to do, uh, developing them the more. Even I was looking because short of the fund, I could not uh, get the coaches from overseas. Otherwise, I tried to talk to the many people in Australia, and to please come and also I've been still uh, connecting with the uh, Reclan Australia as well left to come to over and have a coaching with us, working with us. But unfortunately, they have their own plan, this thought uh, of shorter of the fund, they could not come. But still, I could not give up this one. we said we want to, we will participate and we will uh, give some outstanding performance in the IC Cup. Because after that, you're having the cup. The next cup is a 2020. So why we will lose this uh, 17? We prefer to play and be, just
3: only we're coming to learn and getting the
5: experience.
0: The International Cup begins on August 5th. How early will the team be coming into Melbourne?
4: We're to if we can get the visa before 20.
2: Uh, and then we will hopefully travel end of the 25th of the July, 25th or 26th, like that. Before end of the July, we will be traveling. Uh, we trying to travel in the five months. So we want to at least at least two weeks can, uh, time we can adjust over there. And you know here in hot summer and in the Australian environment you have a hot winter at the moment and the girls and the place they can adjust that weather and also they having't have uh, the time to get the training and the coaches understanding with other coaches as well as. So having the few coaches over there they are very anxious to be part of our team.
0: Well, Tayyip, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best at the International Thanks Cup in August in Melbourne this year. Oh no, It's my player, Peter, and I'm talking to you and
2: it's good to have it uh, interview over there and this way we can uh, get some support from uh, uh, the, through your online and your radio as well. And also one thing I can give the message, we're looking for some funding for the Pakistan team. If your radio can do that, that will be a lot of the support for us.
0: Indeed. We'll tell everyone to go to the AFL Pakistan website. Have a look there and uh, make sure that you follow the AFL Pakistan women's team on the Facebook page and all the details are there if you want to help support the team. Thanks a lot. Time to find out what's happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division and I've got on the line Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. Let's have a look at what happened in Round 12 of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division and uh, Macquarie University and the Auburn Penrith Giants having a close one at MacUni.
5: Yeah, it was a low-scoring and, and tight contest, as expected, uh, with Mac Uni running out winners 36 to Auburn Penrith 24. Uh, at halftime, the Giants had a two-point lead, but a three-goal to none third quarter by the Warriors really set them up for the win. Uh, Aslan Albrey kicked two goals for the Warriors and Kate Easthope kicked two goals for the Giants.
0: Western Wolves and the UTS Shamrocks met at Pickin' Oval and it was the Shamrocks that ran out winners.
5: Yeah, look, it was a much better showing from the Wolves, um, although they did end up losing 25 to 50. Uh, the Shamrocks had their fourth win of the season and actually going to fifth place on the ladder, keeping alive their hopes of making finals. Uh, the Wolves were one point up at quarter time, and in a close second quarter, the Shamrocks took the lead and were up by five points at the major break. Uh, the Shamrocks kept the Wolves goalless after half time and kicked three of their own to take out the match by 25 points.
0: The Sydney Uni Bombers continue on their merry way with a comfortable win over the Southern Power.
5: Yeah, look, again, another result, as expected. The Bombers were far too good uh, for the Power right from the get-go with a five-goal first quarter. Uh, Emily Beecroft kicked Power's only goal of the day in the second quarter, uh, whilst Rachel Stack was, again, strong at for for the Bombers, kicking six goals of her own.
0: And the reigning premiers, the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Stingrays, too good for the Newtown Breakaways.
5: Yeah, look, a, a big margin in that game, uh, Stingrays 86 to so the breakaway's one point. Uh, a five-goal opening term from the Stingrays saw them take hold of the game early on. They kicked three goals in the second quarter, were goalless in the third and kicked four goals in the final term. Uh, Sarah Korkiano kicked six goals for the Stingrays and was also named their best player.
0: One round of football we've got for round 13 it starts 12 o'clock Saturday 15th of July at Mahoney Park. First of all, the Breakaways hosting the Western Wolves.
5: Yeah, look, I think that'll be a, a close game and a really good contest. Obviously, both sides haven't had uh, the years they would have been expecting. Uh, I think the Breakaways will come away with the win here, though, in a close contest.
0: 12.30pm at Trumper Park, the Stingrays and the Sydney Uni Bombers.
5: Yeah, look, top of the table clash here uh, – Obviously, Sydney Uni Bombers are undefeated, and the uh, Stingrays have only lost one game to the Bombers. Uh, so I think we're going to have a really uh, close and tight encounter throughout the game, and I'm tipping the Stingrays to uh, win this and hand the Bombers their first loss of the season.
0: One o'clock at Uni Oval, Mac Uni hosting the Southern Power.
5: Yeah, a little bit of a do or die game here for Power if they any uh, hope of making finals this year, they really need to win this one and bridge that gap to Mac Uh However, away um, at MacUni's ground and uh, losing more plays to injuries last week, I think uh, I think it'll be a MacUni win um, on the weekend.
0: And finally, 2pm at Mona Park, the Ormond Penrith Giants hosting the UTS Shamrocks.
5: Yeah, look, I think um, obviously the Giants have been having a, a good mid-part to the season, um, you yeah, know, suffered the, the loss against the Warriors on, uh, on the weekend, and I think they'll be looking to return to the winner's list. Should be a really close game, but tipping the Giants in that one, Peter.
0: Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to catching up with you next week to talk more AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division looking forward to it. Having a look now what happened in the WAWFL over the weekend where they had round 13 and on the Saturday night, West Perth could only manage one behind against East Fremantle, 17-14 116. East Perth, they're having a tough season. They didn't get on the scoreboard against the Coastal Titans who put on 30 goals, 19 199. Also, another one-sided game, at Carlisle Reserve where the Perth Angels didn't score against Swan Districts, 19-15, 129. And in the closest match of the round, South Fremantle, 3-2-20, went down to Claremont, 8-6-54. The Peel Thunderbirds having the bye. Looking ahead to round 14, just the three games, considering Swan Districts, West Perth and South Fremantle are all having a bye. Uh, all on Sunday, 2pm at Elton Park, East Perth hosts the Perth Angels. At Bendigo Bank Stadium, the Peel Thunderbirds host East Fremantle, and at Claremont Oval, the Claremont Tigers host the Coastal Titans. No footy last week and in the Tasmanian State Women's League Round 9 gets underway this weekend both games on the Sunday at 12pm at Twin Ovals the Tigers host Launceston while at KGV at 2pm Glenorchy host the Clarence Football Club. Time to look back at the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition and I've got on the line the co-founder of Girls Play Footy in Matt Marston. Matt, thanks for much for joining us. Let's first of all have a look at the Saturday morning game where Darabin really kicked into gear and uh, put Cranburn to the sword. Uh, in the end, a uh, hundred and one to seven Falcons, just way too dominant.
6: Yeah, no, the uh, the Falcons are definitely back. I think that result uh, can tell us. I think it actually might be the biggest margin we've seen so far this VFLW and. Uh, you know, they're starting to get their stars back now. in fact, they're probably just at, at full strength now that Daisy Pierce has rejoined the fray, and uh, there's not a whole lot that, that poor old Cranbourne could do, I don't think.
0: Cranbourne have been injury depleted as well, so um, they just simply weren't going to stand a fight against a Darab, and have just seemed to uh, clicked it up a few gears.
6: That's it, and um, yeah, you know, they're, they're sort of just having a season that maybe you'd expect, but I guess you, you'd want to be pushing teams like Darabin and the, the top four or five and maybe hopefully get a scalp. But you know, it seems like they're just going to be having one of those seasons where they lick their wounds and, and look forward to the next one.
0: On Saturday, our match of the day at Plenty War Memorial Park was Diamond Creek at Melbourne Uni. It was first versus second. It was touted as the debut of Moho for Melbourne Uni, but she ended up being a late scratching, but was spotted at the ground watching the game. Jeez, Melbourne Uni could have used her out there because uh, they struggled. They went down by seven goals.
6: Well, I don't think they were the only. I don't think that uh, Mo Hope was the only one who didn't show up to that game. It seems like looking at the scoreline, and uh, I mean, 40 points. You don't see that a whole lot from from Melbourne Uni, Uni losing by 40 points. In fact, the last time they lost by 40 points was back in 2014, funnily enough, to Diamond Creek at Plenty War uh, Memorial Park.
0: And they played very much like that game, the dead rubber game, from what I saw, just disinterested. Diamond Creek playing a whole new brand of footy as well, uh, playing what I call a two-way style of game, running up and down the ground, covering plenty of metres, something that we haven't seen from them before. Because to be fair to say in the past, Diamond Creek have always been uh, a a kick and chase type of uh, a play.
6: I think they're a a reinvigorated unit. They are Diamond Creek. They've had that year last year where they were going through a whole lot of injuries and maybe not having the results they wanted. And I think when you have something like that, it really gives you some time to to develop players and look at your team and and look at how you can improve. And look, they've clearly had a look at AFLW as well and, and, and seen the way that the game's developed at the top flight and they've, you know, put some of those implement some of those tactics into their game and I mean it's it's going great because they're sitting top of the ladder seven and one after eight rounds. You're just laughing.
0: The other game played on the Saturday saw Geelong nine eight 62 defeat Seaford two three fifteen.
6: Yep, back on the winner's list for Geelong after four straight defeats. And in those four straight defeats, they were really building up. And as, as the weeks went on, they were, they were getting better. They ended up pushing St Kilda the week before this. So uh, a big victory over Seaford is expected. Funnily enough, the first time they met earlier this year in round two, the margin was also 47 points. So very consistent from Geelong.
0: On Sunday, St Kilda and Box Hill, an interesting game. It was just two points in it at half time, and everyone thought, oh, is this upset City? And in the second half, Box Hill just could make an impact on the scoreboard. The Sharks running away winners, 11.874 to Box Hill, 3.220.
6: It's just really hard to make uh, ends of what Box Hill's doing this year, and we get results like where we had at halftime, where we're thinking, "Wow, this could be something really special." And you see the final result, you know, it, it's like there's two teams out there, and um, you can't really say it's down to inexperience so much because they have got some experienced heads in that lineup. Uh, you just wonder what it is that's going on at Box Hill. I know we we sort of expected them to struggle this year, but I mean, when you when you put in halves like that, we end up going down by 50 points and a half after matching it to halftime, it's just quite confusing for old Box Hill. And, look, St Kilda, it's another victory, and they need all of them because they're going great guns, but they have got a rough uh, run to the finals.
0: You could ask the question about St Kilda's slow starts as well. A couple of weeks ago against Seaford, uh, they trailed the Tigerettes a quarter time before, switching gears and running away from it. Again, slow out of the blocks, but the one thing we've been told about by Sean Smith is their superior fitness this year, and they seem to be running out games.
6: Well, it's not something new for the Sharks. I think the last couple of years that they've been a really good football team. They've always started slow and, and come home with a wet sail. So uh, it's just how the Sharks play. And, I mean, they're still sitting at 6-2 and two and they've had some comfortable wins. They wouldn't be happy that the game was close on the weekend against Seaford, but they do get that big victory.
0: Crowd of around 200 or so, Witten Oval saw an absolute classic. The VU Western Spurs coming from nearly four goals down at half time to win it by a point, 4832 over the Eastern Devils, 5 5131.
6: Yeah, fantastic finish, and the video is doing the rounds on social media with your commentary behind it. Peter, I'm sure you're pleased about that one. Uh, the poor old Eastern Devils, they've got a record of 3-5, and five, and they really could be 6-2 and two, up with that bunch up the top of the ladder. They've lost three really close games this season, first against St Kilda in round one by the single point, Derebin in round two by 12 points, and we know that they were ahead and it was really close late on in the game. Uh, and then obviously VU Western Spurs last week also by a point, so they've got to be kicking themselves old eastern
0: devils and as you said there with the eastern devils uh you you flip three of those games and all of a sudden they're in the top four mixing it with the best it just shows how tight this season is unfortunately i think they're now too far back to be able to squeeze into the finals particularly with a nightmare draw that they've got ahead talking about some nightmares the VU Western Spurs run straight into Darwin this weekend their game Saturday 2 p.m. at Henry Turner Memorial Reserve also our RSN carnival match of the day
6: yeah, no, they're sizzling hot at the moment, Darabin. They had that slow start with the one win and two losses, but now they've won five on the trot. As we said, they're getting their stars back into the team. Uh, to show you how they're, they're going at the moment, they beat the Devils in round two by 12 points, uh, and a couple of weeks ago they beat them by 61 without Daisy Pierce. So uh, we're starting to see the results that we, we sort of relate to with Darabin now, uh, and it might just uh, be an unfortunate time for the Spurs to run into them.
0: These two sides had a close one earlier in the season and they do battle again at Osborne Park in North Geelong Sunday 12pm. The Geelong Cats hosting Cranbourne.
6: Yeah, that's it. And look, it's it's got to be mentioned as well. It's quite a funny little thing that this is the fifth home game for Geelong this year, and yet the, it's the fifth ground that, or fifth different ground that they're going to be playing at Osborne Park. Which is, I mean, I can't remember anything like that where a team's ever had to play five different venues during the first five home games. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Geelong, as we said earlier on, they've bounced back after losing four in a row. Uh, they're having a very impressive season so far. Geelong, plenty of stars in that team, and plenty of up and coming stars as well. We're slowly starting uh, to see fed through that that team. They've got a great development area, obviously in Geelong, uh, and a four and four record so far is really good. Cranbourne, you know, they're just sort of existing this season. They've only had uh, had victories over Box Hill and Seaford, who are winless this year. Uh, other than that, they've been relatively. Uh, or- pretty much smashed by all comers if we're going to be honest other than Geelong in round three so uh, I think if you're Geelong you, you want to put your foot down and and really prove that you're the real deal in this game and, and not let Cranbourne stick around for too long.
0: 3 p.m on Sunday at Box Hill City over we see the cellar dwellers battle it out Box Hill and Seaford and if I'm correct I think this is also the VFL uh, live stream game as well.
6: It's not quite the uh, immovable object versus the unstoppable force, is it? But uh, whatever the opposite is, I think we get that with Box Hill and Seaford. Zero and eight, both of them this year, and very disappointing for two different reasons. Of course, Box Hill, the first uh, season in the VFLW, would be wanting to do a whole lot more this year, especially when you look at what Geelong's done. Uh, and Seaford, obviously, last year they, they started poorly and had a really positive finish to that year, and, and this year it just hasn't clicked so far. And um, I think... Maybe the biggest indication you can get for this game is is Box Hill's closest loss so far has been 13 points against Cranbourne, and Seaford's closest closest loss has been six points against Cranbourne. So going on that, Seaford wins by seven points.
0: 2 p.m. Sunday at Mulgrave Reserve, the Eastern Devils host Diamond Creek.
6: Yeah, uh, it's a really a do or die contest. This one for the Eastern Devils. They've got that three and five record, as we spoke about. They could be six and two, but they're not. Uh, and you know if. Mathematically, they've still got an opportunity. But if they don't beat the Creekers, I think that's just about curtains. In fact, mathematically, that will be curtains. And, and Diamond Creek, they're just going strength, uh, from strength to strength. Bounce back against that loss uh, against St Kilda back in round five. They've now won three in a row. So they're just cruising at the moment, the Creekers, and I, I don't see the Devils challenging them.
0: And the game, 2 p.m. Sunday, Main Oval, Melbourne University, or as we like to call on air, Tin Alley Parkville, Melbourne Uni versus St. Kilda. It is fourth versus fifth. If Moana Hope makes her debut, it's against her old side. And there are whispers around the traps. It could be, it might be the debut of Taylor Harris for the St. Kilda Sharks.
6: It just when you thought this game couldn't get any bigger, we're talking about Moana Hope and Taylor Harris joining the fray. And, you know, with those two outside, away from the – if they don't play the game, uh, it's still a contest between a team – two teams that are six and two, and it's just going to be an absolute ripper. We know back in round two, these two teams played out a thriller uh, where Melbourne University won by just the five points. And I think there was a shot very late on in that game from Jasmine Garner that was very close to being a goal too. So uh, I think – we're probably going to see something very similar to that, and for St Kilda, it's got to be mentioned that this is a really, really important game for the Sharks, we've said that they're having a good season so far, 6-2 and two, uh, probably maybe better than what we'd expect from them, but this is a must win game for sure for St Kilda, because their run home is definitely the hardest out of those teams with a 6-2, and they got Melbourne Uni this weekend, then Diamond Creek Eastern Devils, Darabin VU Western Spurs and in the last round, Cranbourne a little bit of reprieve, so you would say that they probably have to win four out of those last six Uh, and it starts this weekend with Melbourne Uni.
0: And as we said on air when we're looking ahead through the fixture we're saying that maybe round 13 uh, when they uh, played the VU Western Spurs that could be the showdown at the OK Corral. It could be that game that decides who gets fourth spot. Most
6: definitely and it's sort of hard to see how how the ladder's going to look because we've got that log, log jam at the top with the, the four teams on 6-2, and two, and then, of course, uh, Diamond Creek on top with 7-1 and one record. Uh, it's just going to be a magnificent finish to this season.
0: Well, Matt, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we look forward to uh, catching up with you throughout the 2017 Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. Always a pleasure, Pete. Thank you. Time to find out what's been happening in the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1, and I've got on the line for the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller. Alison, how are you? Very good, thank you, Peter. Yourself? Not bad at all. Great to have you on the line. Now, let's have a look at the results in the weekend. There was some news out of Modbury, despite the scoreline saying Adelaide Uni 26-19, 175-2, Modbury no score, but that wasn't the only bad news out of Modbury.
3: No, um, unfortunately last weekend top draft prospect Chloe Shear uh, did her ACL uh, during their game against the Morphe Roos which is absolutely devastating for her and the club. So, um, And Chloe actually made an appearance at this game, came down and watched it. So she is admired by all clubs um, and they're just really hoping that she can get back into things and set herself up for next year.
0: Indeed, everyone's wishing Chloe all the very best. And um, I, I kept things under wraps because I'd, I'd spoken to her on, uh, on via social media uh, last week, and obviously we wanted to wait till it was appropriate to say the news. But as we let Chloe know that she's young, she's only, what, 17, 18 years old, and by the time she returns, 18, 19, there is plenty, plenty of football left ahead of her, and no doubt she'll be on the national stage.
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And as I said, I'm hoping that the crows will be lining up for her again because her explosiveness and just watching her play, I've got to see that, and she will be phenomenal in years to come. So now it's just a time thing and to go through rehab for her, which, you know, fingers crossed she's um, be, hopefully close to being in a position for next year's draft. But as, as you mentioned, that was the worst news for Modbury and it was an extremely tough condition for them coming up against the uh, undefeated Adelaide Uni. And as you said to the scoreboard there, Peter sadly Modbury didn't even hit the scoreboard. And just to top things off, to make matters even worse, on a dreary night, our former co Hollick was assisted off the ground in a lot of pain with what appeared to be a lower leg injury. So for me, honestly, it's a wonder Modbury forwards didn't get hypothermia on a tough night for the Hawks. On the other side of the coin though for Adelaide Union, they had um, a lot of first year players. So first year player Woody Fenton had an absolute blinder in the midfield. And second game is repeat. No, I'm not kidding, it's Rihanna Pete, but Repeat will go with. And Rachel Quiggy had fantastic debuts in the mids, with Quiggers slotting two and Pete repeating yet another effort for a high flying high flying hanger like she did the previous week, which was amazing stuff. Christy Harvey was a central up front and gave off about 101 goal assists that felt on the night, and she only took one for herself, so very unselfish there. Best on ground had to be Anne Hatchard, tearing it up in the midfield and forward line, and she was instrumental to the structure um, of the game plan. Courtney Gunn was back in action, which was great, and she took control of the Bucks, implementing the next stage of their game plan. Ruth Wallace was an absolute superstar up front, kicking eight and Sophie the Jet League, breaking away with lightning speed in the clearances. Honourable mentions go to Ebony Day, Nicola Burns, Julie Power, and Stanis Atsevich. Uni actually tried a couple different styles um, just to further their players' development, which did impact their second quarter. They played a short-kicking style with no handball to set up target zones up front, with rules around when they could shoot at the big sticks. They were disciplined enough to stick with it regardless, which was a great sign moving forward for uni. In total, 11 players collected goals in a totally dominant display by the Blacks. And Modbury had no answers to the pressure and run created by Adelaide uni. So best players for Modbury. Um, Manique Hollick was the best, followed by Abby Shear, which is Chloe's sister, and she's actually a great player in the uh, Nicole Tucker and Caitlin Teague uh, rounded off their best players. The Adelaide University, well, the goal kickers, I'll go through these as I can. Ruth Wallace 8, uh, Kara Owens 4, um, <laughs> Biles 3, Hatchard 3, Quigley 2, Harvey, Pete, Fenton, Richardson, O'Day and Zasevich, one a Pete, best players, Anne Hatchard, Ruth Wallace, Donna savage Sophie Lee, uh, Power and Fenton.
0: At Salisbury Oval is the Battle of the Magpies and it was Salisbury out in top, 6-19-55 over Port Adelaide 2 one thirteen.
3: Yeah, Salisbury actually could have done some really, done a lot of damage here and boosted their percentage if it wasn't for a bit of poor kicking in front of the big sticks. It was a tough first quarter, but after that, Salisbury's backline was far too dominant. Uh, Chalky Senior was in action in the ruck and she was absolutely awesome, giving them the first look at the ball. Um, As young Chalky Jr., Jess Allen was off playing for the Allies. Captain Gunny led from the back with great defensive pressure and strong run. The may have had a little bit of an impact in the last quarter as Salisbury had a few late withdrawals through their sickness. In addition, they were also missing Chelsea Randall, uh, Jeff Bedge and Jeff Allen. Uh, they went into the game also with just two on the bench and they went down to one after half-time. So they managed pretty well without all their big names. Um, but again, the big sticks were a bit elusive. A special mention to uh, Paige Lindfell as well. In her first year of footy, Coach Richard promoted from their under-16s team, and she laid some great tackles up at full forward to create key early goals. So well done, Paige. Port Adelaide, well, they didn't play the way they have in previous weeks, which was really disappointing, because they should have been a lot closer to Salisbury. Jess Evans was outstanding, and Renee Richardson both had good games. But Port Adelaide are better than what they showed and will be keen to put their best foot forward after the bye so the goal kickers for Salisbury were Pryor, Woodland, Hoyle, and Lindsell. Best players, Hoyle, Stoneman, Woods, Woodland, and Gundlach. For Port Adelaide, goal kickers were Freda and Wangane. Best players were Evans, Richardson, Hitchcock, Von and Wells.
0: Let's have a look at what happened on Sunday at Aldi Arena. It was a close one between West Adelaide and Morpherville Park. It was the Bloods getting the points, 5-4-34 over the Morphe Roos, 4-5-29.
3: Yeah, this was definitely the game of the round and um, this was close the whole way. In fact, Morphe's led for three quarters of the game plus. Mind you, in saying that, I was actually at the game and Westies looked the stronger team all day, but just didn't make it count on the scoreboard. Charlie O'Dane's keeping her good form and she was into everything. With Rihanna Metcalf coming back into the team and she was in full beast mode, giving a big don't argue, which drew a good round of applause from the crowd. Kat Williams for Westies also had a heavy collision last week with a Port Adelaide player, and the Maggies player came off second best. And this weekend, it was Williams and Danny Denny Hagen who had a heavy collision in the final term, with Williams requiring the stretcher, and she was in a great deal of pain. She was carried off. As I mentioned, this was a great battle with the Roos leading all day until well into the final quarter when Westies made their charge, with Alice and Evan slotting the two crucial goals, giving Westies the lead. For the Roos, as mentioned, the Roos led for most of the game, kicking truly in the first term with good run and spread. Jenny Van Hagen was instrumental in moving the ball, with Marich, uh, she was everywhere and played really well. The heat was turned right up in the fourth quarter, and it was a fierce contest. And I'm pretty sure Dana Cox would like her time back again after she gave away an unnecessary free kick when the Roos had momentum and were kicking into their forward 50 in the dying stages of the game. Sadly, this resulted, or sadly for the Roos, this resulted in Westies gaining possession and keeping control of the ball, which ended up the score stayed the same, giving Westies the win. Also, uh, young Sarah Perkins was also in the crowd, just keeping an eye on things.
0: Great to see that Perko uh, is just watching a little bit of Adelaide footy league uh, women's even though I reckon the Eastern Devils could use it right now back in Victoria. But that of course brings us to a general buy. No football this weekend. Uh, the Adelaide footy league division one returns uh, for round seven the following weekend. So it might be an ideal opportunity to take a look at the ladder. Ellie, how is the ladder sitting at the moment in division one?
3: Well, for Division I, um, as probably you could guess, Adelaide, you're sitting right out on front with 12 points. The, the battle for it is going to be second place, with Westie currently holding the ascendancy there, um, with Salisbury both at eight points, with percentage only separating them, which is why I think Salisbury really were kicking themselves by not getting more scoreboard pressure against Port Adelaide, because that could cost them come the end of the year. Morphe Rooza next on six and Port Adelaide uh, sitting on two points with poor old Modbury um, struggling at the back end with a, without a win.
0: Well, Ali, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we look forward to catching up with you next week to talk more Adelaide Footy League women's when we preview round seven.
3: Fantastic. Thank you very much for having me,
0: Peter. Looking back at round 13 of the AFL Canberra Women's League and the Quimbian Tigers, four behinds, went down to the Ainsley Tricolours, 8-8-56. Riverina Lions, 7-9-51, defeated ANU Griffins, 3 one nineteen. 19 Blues, one behind, went down to the East Lake Demons, 18-15-123, while the Tugranon Hawks, 1-6-12, were no match for the Gingarland Jets' 10 8 68. Round 14 this weekend in Canberra. All games on the Saturday, all starting at 10 a.m. At Allen Ray Oval, the Ainsley Tricolors host the Coonamundra Blues. Uh, at Gungahlin, the Jets host the Quimbyan Tigers. At Holt 102, the uh, Balcona Magpies host the Tungrenong Hawks. And at Sterling 101, the Malangalo Juggernauts host the ANU Griffins. Eastlake Demons having the bye this round. Trying to find out what's been happening in the Bond University the QWAFL, and I've got on the line our Queensland footy guru in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Uh,
4: great, thank you, Peter. Pleasure to be here again.
0: Let's have a look at what happened in round 13. First of all, Yoronga South Brisbane, got back on the winner's board with a 90-point win over Maroochydore.
4: Yeah, they sure did uh, come back with a vengeance after uh, losing their first game of the season last week. Um, at home, Maroochydore was always going to be tough uh, for Maroochydore, and um, Go out of the block slowly, Yoronga. only up by a goal um, at the end of the first. Um, but yeah, pull, pulled away ever since. Murciel didn't score after the first quarter. Um, McCarthy was back in that team. Uh, she ended up kicking three, um, and, and and yeah, gave Murciel all, all, all help. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah, big win there by by Yoronga and, and and putting themselves back up uh, sort of spot on the top of the table.
0: Zilmir didn't get on the scoreboard against Wilston Grange, the Gorillas racking up 16-25,
4: yeah Yeah, well, we'll look, Wilston Grange, uh, been playing some, some good footy lately, as you know. Knocked off Yurongala. Uh, uh, depleted Yurongala's side last week. Been playing some really good footy, and uh, Courtney Daniak was, was best of field uh, on, on the day, um, playing through the middle of the inside I midfield, and a couple of their other players that probably not necessarily in their top... Uh, you know, top five or six uh, players had some good games, and, and, that's, and that's what they're going to really need to do to be a danger come finals time to get some even contribution across the board, and, uh, and, and they're able to do that against... Again, might have been against Zilmir, but, um, you know, confidence is confidence, Peter, so that'll be good for
0: them. The old foes met at Giffen Park, and it was cooperroo winners 10-11-71, against a Tweed 4 twenty five
4: yeah look uh, Cooley had a, a uh, were down a few they ended up um, having a couple withdraw on the day uh leah Kaslow, as we know uh, superstar um and and real real spiritual leader of that side uh, didn't play neither did Matty roberts who's also pushing for line selection so they were without two of their their better players um, on the day look the, the game was was really close um uh, about uh the third well after time it sort of Cooper started to kick away, but Curly were right in there and um, yeah, they, they, were, they were definitely down some some solid contributors uh, on, on the weekend. Um, but, but yeah, a few of their girls that a few of the, the girls that might not have been known so much stood up and um, you know, they, they gave it a, a real crack uh, against the Coopero side that had Wushner back in it. Um, you know, Zilke playing some pretty good footy. Um, and uh, and Rachel Crack back into the side who who had a good game and um you know, it's been needing to improve on her kicking. And, and uh, yeah, I saw her. She was, she was looking pretty pretty good, actually, on the weekend. So, good to to correct
0: it. Let's have a look at round 14 uh, coming up this weekend, all games on Saturday. First of all, 3.45 at Giffen Park. Cooparoo's hosting Yoronga South Brisbane.
4: Yeah, look, this will be the game. Again, so there's a couple of really good games on this this weekend. That, that's definitely one of them. Uh, Cooperroo v the, Yuronga. Cooperroo take uh, home ground honours there. Um, against Jurong, Jurong have got a few players in, you know, so they're Looking, uh, they're going to be looking, you know, they're going to be looking good. Um, probably better than they have been for a couple of rounds now. Kuparooroo should be welcoming uh, Tani White back um, into the side. So um, she's a really classy young uh, inside and outside midfielder. So you know, she she'll add a lot of class back into that side. Um, look, this is a really tough run to call, to be honest with you. Um, look, I think if Cooper can can shut down uh, Yeronga's running carry, they're really going to have to shut down the likes of McCarthy, not give her too much space. If they can keep that game um, up and down the corridor and in tight and in close, I think Cooper could really push uh, Yoronga on the weekend. But they've got to slow the game down, play it on their turn. Um, you know, they can't have, have uh, too many of uh, you know, the likes of Bates and McCarthy getting out on the outside and and really driving uh, and winning a territory battle for, for Yoronga, but um, really, really tough one to call, uh, Peter. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Yoronga uh, by under two goals.
0: 4:45 p.m. at Peak Oval, Coolangatta tweets, hosting Wilson Grange.
4: Yeah, look, real good game. Uh, this one's shaping up to be Wilson. Got to travel down to Cooley. I'm expecting Cooley to get a couple players back. I mean, only is back and uh, Maddie will be back into this side. So that's going to be two massive inclusions. They'll pick up a couple more of the uh, under-18s girls. So we know there's some quality ones down there on the coast. They'll be coming back into the team. So Cooley are going to be looking a lot stronger than, than they did um, the last two weeks previous, uh, when they, they've been dealing with a few injuries. And, and Wilson, look, they're playing some good form. So this is going to give them another test to see where they're at. trip down to Cooley is always a tough one. Um, again, really tough game to call. Look, it, well, Wilson knocked him off at the start of the year. I'm tipping Cooley um, to beat Wilson this time, uh, mainly with home ground advantage. And let's say uh, again, under two goals, what a cracker!
0: And at St Lucia Oval, number nine, uh, University of Queensland Red Lions hosting Zilmiri Eagles.
4: Yeah, look, um, you know, University. They, this, this will be a percentage, percentage. You know, it can be, will be important coming into the season. That, that sort of position, second, through third, fourth. Um, Fits are all really tight. Uh, there's going to be a few teams come season's end that are going to probably end on the same point. So, finish could could be uh, could be of use come then. Um, so university will be looking to obviously put put Zilmer to the sort. Um, and you know, obviously Zilmer will be looking to, to improve, continually improve as they have each week. And they'll, they'll set their targets for that game and um, you know probably play it quarter by quarter and and uh, ho- hopefully they can they can hit some some KPIs they set
0: for themselves. Well, Aaron, thanks very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We look forward to catching up with you next week to talk more Bond University, QWAFL. It's a pleasure as always. And that concludes the show for another week. Just before I go, a quick reminder, you can download this program as a podcast by going to SoundCloud or iTunes and searching for Girls Play Footy. And a reminder to check out our website for all the latest women's footy news, not just AFL women's, but women's footy happening internationally, what's happening in the state leagues. And hopefully we'll be able to have some articles for you about the Youth Girls uh, Championships that are happening up in Queensland at the moment to give you a bit of an insight into some of the players that you should be looking out for when the draft rolls around in October. Check out the latest women's footy news at girlsplayfooty.com. Until then, I've been Peter Holden. It's been a privilege having your company and it's bye for now.